Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, 9th, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. In today's episode, I want to walk through who will benefit the most and the least from the test-optional policies for the SAT and ACT. As most of you know by now, most colleges have adopted, quote, test-optional policies a few years ago when it became clear that some students would not have the ability to sit for these tests because of COVID-related closures. While this is not the case anymore and testing is open again, the test-optional policies have largely remained in place, and it appears that they're not going to be changed anytime soon. In fact, Harvard just announced that they are extending their test-optional policy for at least another four years. So the question is, who benefits the most and the least from such policies? Who should be happy and who should be sad? Now, at first blush, some students have a knee-jerk reaction, and it goes something like this. Oh, this is awesome. No SAT for me. It's optional. Perfect. One less thing on my plate. Or they might say something like, oh, this is great. Not only will I not take the test, which is rad, but this also means that I'll actually have a shot at getting into all of those colleges that have really high SAT and ACT ranges. Because according to the colleges, not submitting a score will not put me at any disadvantage whatsoever. And then there will be parents who also like this policy because it takes a massive burden off of them. They don't have to nag their children to study. They don't have to find a tutor. They don't have to worry about paying for a tutor or a class or an online program. It's one less thing on their plate as well. Sounds like a slam dunk, right? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, if it were only that easy. Unfortunately, like most things that sound too good to be true, there is more to the story. So why don't we start off by identifying who benefits the most from test-optional policies. And as I thought more and more about this, there were fewer and fewer cases that I can make an argument for. In fact, in my opinion, most of the time, the policy will be either neutral or it will hurt your chances. So who will benefit? Number one, hooked students. Number two, unhooked students who are super qualified. Number three, lazy students. Number four, super motivated students. And number five, overwhelmed parents. Number one, hooked students. And by hooked students, I mean students who check off particular boxes that the school really needs. Students who we say in the business meet a college's specific institutional need. This would include recruited athletes, unrepresented minorities, development cases, children of faculty, first-generation students, and so on and so on. Theoretically, the test-optional policy 
should make it easier to get these students into the school because some of these hooked students wouldn't normally have competitive SAT and ACT scores. And in the past, these lower scores had to be explained away. Today, no one has to know anything. They just don't submit SAT and ACT scores. Nobody asks any questions and they get in. After all, it's test optional. So these students benefit because it relieves them of yet one more hoop to jump through on their way to getting into highly selective colleges. They don't have to spend the time and money and effort trying to excel on these exams. And we'll talk about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing a little bit later. Okay, let's move on to number two. A non-hooked student who is super qualified. This is a student who has a nearly perfect application except for a competitive SAT or ACT score and a hook. By non-hooked, I mean a student who isn't, for example, a recruited athlete, the child of a faculty member, an underrepresented minority, the daughter or son of a big donor, part of the LGBTQ plus community. For example, if a college publishes an SAT range of, say, 1460 to 1540, for a student to feel good about submitting their SAT score, they would probably want to be above a 1500, somewhere above the middle of the range. Otherwise, you wouldn't submit a score. So what does this super-qualified, non-hooked student look like? Well, they have a high GPA, they took very rigorous courses, they scored mostly fives on their AP exams, they've won some awards, they've written compelling essays, they have strong letters of recommendation from teachers, their extracurricular activities are robust, they're aligned with their major preference, they tell a story, their guidance counselor loves them, they've demonstrated interest, they've had good interview feedback, they just decided not to submit an SAT score. For this person, who, mind you, is very rare, the test optional policy might help them. Because in the past, if they were forced to submit a subpar SAT score, it might have knocked them out of contention. But since colleges now have to pick some students who don't submit SAT and ACT scores to show everyone that it's possible, why wouldn't they pick the student who has done every other thing well minus a competitive SAT or ACT score? In other words, if every single other part of your application is flawless, then you might be able to get away with not submitting a score if the college chooses to throw you a bone. Because remember, if you're competing against somebody with an equally impressive application and they did submit a 1550 SAT score, then more often than not, the college is going to give the edge to that student because they've provided more proof of their ability. And that's hard to argue against. But again, students with this particular profile are very rare. Usually students with an application like I just described, they usually do well on the SAT or ACT. It's pretty rare that the SAT or ACT is the single thing that they're not performing well on. The disconnect comes when students who have very strong GPAs but not competitive SAT scores 
think that they'll be viewed on the same level as those who submitted strong SAT scores. In my opinion, that's simply not true. There are so much more to applications than just your GPA and SAT and ACT scores. Okay, let's move on to number three of categories of people who will benefit from the test optional policies. Number three, lazy students who don't feel like studying for the SAT and ACT. This gives them a convenient excuse not to even try to take the test. This is when you start to hear students convincing themselves and their parents that they're, quote, not good test takers, unquote. What, what does that mean, that you're not a good test taker? It's like running a timed mile in gym class and not getting a great time compared to some of your peers and just saying, oh, well, I guess I'm just not a good runner and leaving it at that. I'll never run again. Well, yes, you may not have the same exact raw running talent as other people do on day one, but isn't it possible that you could become a better runner or the best runner that you could be? Let me give you an example. Some students take the PSAT, sometimes even because they're forced to take it in school with no preparation, and they don't do particularly well. So they throw their hands in the air, and they proclaim that they're just not good test takers. And they point to their GPA, which is high, and they pat themselves on the back that they're actually really smart, because look at all these A's, but they're just not good test takers. And they use the test optional policy as an excuse for not preparing for the test and then not submitting scores. Are they actually not good test takers, for whatever that means, or are they unwilling to put in the time and effort to see how far they can push themselves? Why does this benefit them? Because it gives them permission to pass on engaging in the process at all. Category number four of people who benefit from test optional policies, super motivated students. These are the students who are fire breathers and they will take any opportunity to differentiate themselves from the masses. They will actually double and triple down on SAT and ACT prep, more so than they probably would have in the past because they know that the pool of applicants who will ultimately submit SAT and ACT scores will be down. And they want to be on the pile of students who do submit scores. These students will become more and more rare. This is a good thing for many students, especially at the more selective schools. You don't want to be in the big pile, the growing pile of students who don't submit scores. You want to be in the shrinking group of students who do. Because grades are not particularly objective anymore, especially with all of the rampant grade inflation. Extracurricular activities are not overly objective anymore. Letters of recommendation can be all over the map. The SAT and the ACT, and I'll throw in AP exams for that matter, they're the one place where you can prove to the schools with objective evidence how smart you are or how hard you worked. This is a rare case. So those supernova students who will take out all the stops, and there are many of them, will benefit from those who decide not to submit their scores. It just means there's less competition for them. And the last category 
of people who benefit from the test optional policies are overwhelmed parents. Parents faced with a flood of information about the PSAT and how competitive the application process is and class selection and extracurriculars and what to do over the summer, when they hear the words test optional, that gets their attention. Finally, something that will make this process easier for me. Tell me more. And it doesn't take much to convince a parent that the SAT and ACT score is no longer relevant because it takes a huge weight off their shoulders. And if they're looking for a reprieve from the challenges of raising children, taking the SAT off the table is music to their ears. Again, this may be a short-term reprieve that comes back to haunt them later on, but some parents who are in survival mode, they're going to take whatever they can get. All right, let's move on to who benefits the least from the test optional policies. Number one, students who think that test optional means that they will have a much better shot at getting into a highly selective school that they had no chance at getting into before because they don't have to submit a non-competitive SAT or ACT score. This is simply not true. Unless you fall into one of the categories that I described earlier, where every other part of your application is flawless, then not submitting an SAT or ACT score is not going to be helpful. All it will do is cast a shadow over your application and make it harder for the admissions officer to make a case for you to determine which way you should go. Some students assume that admissions officers will give them the benefit of the doubt. But depending on the school, I would not count on that. So these students benefit from the policy the least because it's selling them a bill of goods. It's giving them false hope that they will somehow be just as competitive as the students with the competitive scores. And that's simply not the case. They're being deceived. Category number two, students who take this policy as a license not to study for the tests. These are the real losers. And the reason I say this is because taking a high-stakes standardized test is a rite of passage. It's something that you will likely do many, many more times in your life. You may as well learn how to prepare for and take such a test in high school. Why not? Does studying for the SAT suck? Yes. Does taking the test give you an idea of where you stand on such tests compared to other high school students your age? Yes. Will that always be positive? No. It may reveal that you're not as quote-unquote smart as you thought you were. My point is, there will be a generation of students who decide that learning how to plan, prepare for, and execute on a tough standardized test during high school isn't worth their time. And by taking this approach, in my opinion, they're doing themselves a great disservice. This will come back to haunt them when they need to take the GMAT or the GRE or the MCAT or the LSAT or the Series 7 or their pilot's license exam or any of dozens of other high-stakes, objective, consequential, standardized tests that they may face over the next few years. Category number three of people who will benefit the least from these test optional policies. And that is students in general 
will suffer from this policy when it comes to making smart choices about where to apply and trying to predict whether or not they have any chance of getting into certain schools. Why? Because so many more students with middle-of-the-road SAT and ACT scores are now applying to so many more highly selective colleges without submitting their scores with the misguided hope that their SAT-free application might somehow slip through the cracks and they'll get in. And this has led to a massive increase in applications, which dun, 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 makes getting in even more competitive. The more applications, the more competitive it is on any level. This is why Harvard's acceptance rate is now in the 3% range on its way down to 2%. Because there are thousands and thousands of students who are applying to Harvard who otherwise wouldn't even consider applying to Harvard because now they can hide their SAT scores and thus they think they might have a shot. But almost none of them do. So across the board, schools are getting way more applications than they normally do which they like because they make money and makes them look more selective, but students are getting rejected more and more and more. And now, what was once a difficult process with very little predictability has turned into a total crap show, bordering on what, from the outside, looks like a lottery system in its randomness. And lastly, the fourth category of people or organizations that benefit the least from the test optional policies is the college board and the ACT board. Obviously, as the test optional policy takes hold and more and more students are hoodwinked into not taking them, they will lose money and have to figure out how to make up for that lost revenue. All right, that was a mouthful. So I want to review this really quickly so you can get it set in your mind. Who benefits from test optional? Number one, hooked students, because the policy allows them to hide their sometimes non-competitive SAT and ACT scores. Number two, super qualified unhooked students, because schools, for optics reasons alone, have to choose at least a few students who don't submit scores, and they will likely choose students who mirror the other super qualified students minus an SAT or ACT score. Unfortunately, there are not many of those students walking around. Number three, lazy students who see this policy as a gift from God and a license not to work hard. Number four, super motivated students who see this as a way to stand out as their application will be placed on the dwindling pile of students who actually submit scores. There are fewer and fewer and fewer ways to stand out these days, and an SAT or an ACT score is one of them. And number five, overwhelmed parents who are looking for any way to take stress out of their life. Eliminating the SAT and the ACT is a very good start. And a quick review of the losers. Number one, students who decide not to even try to improve their SAT or ACT scores because they believe that their application, even without a score, will be treated exactly the same as those with competitive scores, that's just not the case. Number two, any student who opts out of the SAT and ACT rite of passage because they're lazy and they don't want to put in the work, they will be missing out on building a very important skill that they will likely regret later in life when they're faced with 
yet another important standardized test that is not optional. And lastly, number three, students in general who are over-applying to schools out of their reach because they can hide their scores, not getting in, and driving acceptance rates to single digits for many of the selective colleges. And this does not help anybody. This is a very difficult topic to grapple with, and it certainly is not as straightforward as the headlines might lead you to believe. So please, think about this policy critically, try to take the long-term perspective, and avoid settling for the short-term knee-jerk reaction. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with a 6th, 7th, 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, or 11th grader in high school that might find this helpful, please share the episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with a tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text it to your friends with a link to this episode. Give a little personal note from you recommending that they give it a listen. Of course, if you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email. You can DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, our Facebook page, connect with me on LinkedIn, because I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.